Well, well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody excited to be here this morning? Come on, you excited? Man, it is so good to see you guys. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to welcome you to Barrel Life Church. If you are visiting with us, we are one church uh, in two different locations. We actually launched the campus this past January uh, in Carter County there in Grayson. Come on, can we get up for our Grayson campus right now? Yes, we love you guys. I'm telling you, God's doing something there in Grayson. I got to hang out with a lot of people from Grayson this week. Well, we had our team member formal, and it's kind of an annual thing we do for everyone who serves here at Better Life Church and, and who volunteers here. We get together, we have fun, we play some games. It's a great, great meal. And I got to sit uh, with some people from Grayson, got to hang out with you guys. It was awesome to meet you all. Well, we're in this series called The Blessed Life. How many of you want God to bless you? Come on, get your hand up. I want God to bless me. Say, bless me, bless me, bless me. We want God to bless us, right? We all want God to bless us. God God has no problem blessing you if you will be a blessing to other people. It's a principle we see all the way through the scripture. And so if you missed the last couple of weeks, let me really quick, quickly bring you up to speed. Uh, in the Blessed Life series, a lot of times you think about Blessed Life and you're in a church and you talk about God blessing you. Maybe your mind goes to this kind of prosperity gospel thing. And the prosperity gospel basically says this as a Christian, I have the divine right to speak by faith health and wealth into my life. Folks, that is a false, false teaching. And then you have the opposite side of that. You have the poverty gospel, which means if you're a Christian, you can't have nice things. And if, you, if you're a Christian and you have money or you have things, then you've done something evil. You're a wicked person. You're not generous and all this stuff. And really the reason people think that is because they're selfish and, 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 and they want, are jealous. They want what you have. So just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you can't have a nice house, a nice car, live in a nice neighborhood that you want your kids to go to a good school district so your kids can be there absolutely all that there is no problem with having stuff the problem is is when the stuff has you that's the difference in our life people want to say all the time see money is the root of all evil money is not the root of all evil the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's neutral. You put it to a godly person's hand, they're going to use it to bless people and be very generous. You put it to somebody who's corrupt and put it in their hands, they're going to use it for destruction and evil. And so we talked about this. The first thing we have to understand, this is our perspective is this, is that God owns everything. Everything you have belongs to him. And every time you say that, there's always a person, well, I'm self-made and I worked hard and I went through school and I did this and I broke my back and I made this. Listen, who woke you up this morning? Who gave you breath this morning? Who gave you the smarts to do what you do? God owns everything. When you start with that perspective, that's the first step of going towards the blessed life. And then when we look through the scripture, there's something about the first fruits. God set this up a long, long, long time ago. He owns it all, but he knows that everything in this world is going to be after our hearts, especially our possessions or our money. In fact, out of the 38 parables, 16 of them talk about possessions and money. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell and all that combined because he knows it's going to compete with your heart. He don't give a rip about your money. He owns it all. He owns every single thing, but there's something about testing him. There's something about putting him first and thanking him for how he provides for you. Pastor, are you talking kind of about like tithing? Yes, I am. I talked about that last week. In fact, if you missed last week and you want like a general overview, like what in the world does that mean? I've been to church before and they say about tithes and offerings and what is a tithe and what is all this stuff? Just a real quick recap. A tithe is 10% of your income, 10%. Where do you get the number 10 from? 
God could have picked any number. When you look through the Bible, 10 represents testing. Remember, we talked about this. There were 10 commandments to test the heart. 10 plagues test Pharaoh, right? We go all the way through the days of testing. You can see 10 just represents testing. Tithing is just a test. And see if you're going to pass the test. And then why is it a percent? Why didn't God just say an amount? Why is it a percent? God is in percentages, not an amount. Well, we talked about this. Remember the, the student over here who babysits or cuts someone's yard and they make $10 and they give a dollar of that? That's 10%. Guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that God will open up the floodgates of heaven. He will bless them and then he will rebuke the devourer from destroying the rest of the resources. Uh, on a dollar, it's not about the amount. It's about the percent. The person who makes $100,000 a year over here and they give $10,000, that's 10% of the income. Watch this. God said, I'll open up the, the windows. I will bless them and then I will rebuke the devourer from destroying anyone else. Doesn't matter if you're a college student or you're a high school student and you're babysitting or you have a, a work study versus the business person who makes $100,000 or a quarter million dollars a year. The bless scene is the same. The problem with percentages is that the more money you make, the less you give in a percent. The average person gives two to three percent to charitable organizations across the world. You'll know this this year when we're about to go into a season where people ask, people ask you for donations at the end of the year. Why? Because this is the time that most people are in a giving mood. And this most nonprofit organizations meet, actually exceed their budget in the month of December because people give towards them. And so the average person gives two to three percent of their income to charity. However, the more money you make, the less money you give percentage wise. Why? Because you pay so much in taxes. Tithing goes, uh, uh, there's excuses on both ways. Well, one, I can't do it because I'm on a fixed income. The other one is I pay too much taxes to the government. Half of what I make, they take. So how do I balance that in the middle? Trust him. Test him. He says test me. The only place in the Bible where God says test me is with your possessions. If you missed last week, I want you to walk through. I encourage you to download our app. Go back and watch that because I kind of walk through what that means just so that you would know that a preacher didn't make this up, that a church didn't make this up. This is not between me and you. This ain't even between you and the church. This is between you and the Lord. And so today what I want to ask you this question, and, and as we go into a season where most people, honestly, they become very generous. People become generous around the holiday times, around Christmas. You're generous to help meet people's needs. You're generous and bless people uh, that you don't like with gifts or you re-gifts them. I'm just making sure you're awake this morning. Come on, you got to wake up. I know Grayson caught that. They were laughing at that one, right? Right? I mean, and, and so this is a time that you're going to be generous. So we want to make sure that our heart's right when we should help other organizations. There are great organizations that we should help, we should give to. There are families that are in need that we should bless and be. So the question I want you to ask yourself today is this. Am I generous? Am I a generous person? There's two passages I want to take you to. I want you to go with me to John chapter 12 and uh, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll, I'll, I'll end in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we're going to look at John chapter 12 real quick and then 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Y'all ready to get started? So let's go. Got to wake up. Here we go. All right. When I read through the scripture, there's not like a formula to it. There's no magical formula to it. But when I read through the scriptures, what I see personally when I read this is there seems to be these three different levels of giving in the Bible. And I'm going to walk you through these three different ones. They may be more than that, but just from my eye of reading the scriptures, I can see there's three types of different levels in the scripture. The first one 
always begins with the tithe. Now, I preached a whole message on that last week, so I'm not going to here recap that that much. But basically, that is 10% of our gross income that we bring to the house of the Lord that we serve. Now, if you don't believe that or you have a problem with that, then you will just need to get before God and one and say, do I really believe that this is God's word? And two, is God a liar? Is God a liar? Did God say test me and that he would bless me if I would trust him with this? Even when the money doesn't work out, even when it doesn't work out on paper, even if there's how in the world am I even going to make this happen? Am I going to trust him? The tithe, the Bible says, real quick, belongs to the Lord, which means this. I don't get to designate that. I, I don't get to designate my tithe. I don't get to say, so you know what, I'm going to take a percent of my income and I'm going to give 2% over here to, the, uh, to, to you know, uh, this great organization, 2% to the Christian school, 1% over here to this mission organization, 3% over this uh, to this organization. I don't get to choose that because it don't belong to me. The Bible says it belongs to the Lord. And you take that to the house of God you serve. And if this is your home church, and even if you're gracing or watching online, this is your home church, then that's where to go. If you, listen to me, I mean this with everything with him. If you say, well, I don't know really if I trust how the money's been in handle in this church. I give you two things. Number one, come and sit down and talk to us. We have nothing to hide. We don't care to walk you through and show you the budget, what we do with it, all this stuff. No problem whatsoever. We put an annual report out every year. You can go to our website and you can see it. Here's how much money came in. Here's where the money went. Here's what we did with it. There's a full accountability. We have so many hoops and hurdles. Now listen, it's you can go over and over and over with and, and do our very best to guard and save it. So if you don't trust, then, then come and we'll sit down to you. If you still don't trust listen to me i mean this so much go find another church start attending that church start serving in that church and start tithing to that church like this is what i want for you not what i want from you now i don't know if you ever heard a pastor say go to another church go to another listen that's how bad i want this for you you start there you start with a tithe and so there's really only two things when i see in the scripture you can do with it one you can bring it he says bring it to the house or you could steal it and you can rob him God says, when you don't tithe, you rob me. And you don't rob God, which is he owns it all. What you rob God of, you rob God of blessing you and blessing your life. You all just raise your hand. I want to be blessed. I want God to bless me. But I'm going to walk you through how that looks and how that works. So it starts with the tithe. This is the first level. Sadly, only 5 to 7% of Christians actually tithe. That means 93 to 95% of Christians are not even at the basis where God wants them to be. And I know all times they're tithing's under the law and tithing, we don't do tithing now. And you go to Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine, so it's a grace giving. I'm gonna meet you there. And I'm going to show you something right just in a moment when we get there. But tithing was way before the law ever happened. Tithing has been a principle since day one, all the way back to Cain and Abel. We talked about this when Adam and Eve sons with Cain and Abel, 2,500 years before the law ever came into place. It is a basic, ordinary principle that God says, we're going to start there and you have to trust me. You have to trust me with the tithe. And I'm here to tell you, you will not get to the second level <laughs> until you start tithing. <laughs> Because the second level is offerings. You hear sales like, we want to take up our tithe, and we want to take up our offerings. Here's what happens when you tithe. This is what we see in the scripture. You need to go read this in Malachi chapter 3. Here's what happens when you trust God and test him. Because think about this. The number one thing that's going to compete with your heart for the rest of your life, if you're in a wage earning or you make money, is how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to save it, how am I going to spend it, how I'm going to put food on the table, do I have enough to pay the medical bills, do I have enough to put my kid through college, how am I going to make the car payment, can I make sure I have enough to pay Visa back, how am I going to pay finance the dog, if you finance the dog, you're broke, you know what I'm saying, we need to talk about that, we need to work on it, we got financial kids, right? I'm going to finance, right, we all this stuff, I'm going to finance Christmas, how, 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 do, I, how do I do that? 
How do, how do I get to the place? Well, here's what it says. When you begin to tithe, God says, here's what, you trust me. You trust me and you put me to the test. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to bless you. But I don't bless you to bless you. I bless you to be a blessing to other people. And if you would just keep your hands open, I will keep blessing you. And what happens, you'll get to the point then, watch this, you'll get to the point where you begin now to give free will love offerings. That when you're seeing that family in need, you're going to say, you know what, go up to you, I'm going to swipe it here. I got your gas for you, ma'am. I'm going to do it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to put it on the budget. God has prompted you to bless them. I want you to go over and pay for that person's meal. Go bless them. Hey, you heard about that? What happened to that family? Send them a check right now. That's the fun place to be. Is that when God prompts you, you're like, well, I really want to, to do that. But man, I, I just don't have it. I, I, I'm, I'm broke. I don't, I don't have the, the funds to do that. Listen, when you begin to tithe, the Bible says that's what breaks the curse over your financial house. We talked all about that last week. And God says, I can trust you, so I'm going to send resources to you, not for you, but for you to bless the people around you. And if you will just trust God with the tithe, keep your hands open. Here's what happens. He will put in and he'll send out to bless. God doesn't want you to be a reservoir. He wants you to be a river of blessings to the people around you. Folks, that's so much fun. When you get to that place where you can help people and bless people and do things that you never, you have to think about it. Why? Because your financial house is in order because you started doing what God wants you to do. That's to bring the tithe. And then you started being able to give voluntary love offerings. You know, for instance, my wife and I, about 13 years ago, we decided, you know what? We, we were bringing 10% of our gross income to the Lord. And my wife has worked outside of the home for the last 16 years. And uh, I, I, I fully believe that I provide for my family. I do everything I can to do that. And so we said, you know what? We're going to trust God with, with the tithe. And we just really believe, we just want to say, God, we want to thank you. It's a voluntary offer. You don't have to follow my footsteps in this. I do think that if you're already tithing, you've got to figure this out between you and the Lord. But we came to the Lord and said, Lord, here's what we want to do. We want to thank you so much for blessing us. We want to thank you for providing for us. And we're going to thank you even in advance for how you you're going to bless us. And we decided to bring another 5% of our gross income to the Lord, to the place that we serve, which is Bear Life Church, and said, God, thank you. We brought the tithe that belongs to you. Now, here's a free will offering that we just want to give you to say thank you for blessing our family. And we started doing this 13 years ago. And because of that, we're able to, and here's what happens. I can't even imagine this. I, I wish, I'm going to be very transparent today. And I know you got to be careful when you talk about giving and stuff, because sometimes you start thinking, well, you're, why are you saying that stuff? I'm saying this to show you, you can test God and you can put God to the test. And because of that, 15% of our gross income, we're on, listen, this is crazy. We're like making $28,000 a year, $25,000, pastoring this little church and say, God, we're just going to trust you. We're just going to give to you. I got a wife who doesn't work outside the home. We just had our second son and all this. I'm like, we have two kids. How's all this going to work? But God, we are just going to trust you. And because that, God has increased our resources. And now we sponsor two, uh, on top of that, we sponsor two missionaries. We sponsor an orphan and OV International. We sponsor a child. Our kid, our family sponsor a child. We write letters to the child. We do this. And then when God says, Bless the organization, we bless. When God said, pay for that person, we pay. Hey, go get that guy. Listen, the devil will never prompt you to be generous. Ever. Ever. But the moment the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous and bless someone, the devil will be right there to whisper in your ear this. Well, you're just doing it so they recognize you. You're just doing it so they will bless you. You're just doing it for they will see you. The moment the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous, that's what's going to, he's going to whisper in here. Well, you don't have money to do that. You're broke. Well, how are you going to pay for your bills? How are you going to put your kid through college? How are you going to provide for that? How are you going to make that happen? 
over and over and over the enemy and here's what happened you're like you're right somebody else will take care of them somebody else will bless them and they're like they're just they're just going to waste your money don't give that person money they're just going to go buy you know drugs or alcohol or cigarettes right you've all been there before god's blessed you to do that and next thing you know like well they're just going to waste they're going to blow it that's between them and the lord you do what God has prompted you to do and don't let the devil hold you back and rob you of the blessing that God wants to give you. So there's the tithe and then there's the offering. For instance, we're about to do, we do this every year. This is nothing new if you're visiting with us. We do a year-end offering and we always say, here's portion is going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we always do this. And I want you to hear me. If you're not tithing, don't participate in the offering. Start there. An offering is above and beyond what you are already tithing. And if you're like, man, we can't really, we're not even in that position yet. That's okay. It's a free will offering. You don't even have to participate. You go and say, God, I'm going to trust you with the tithe. I'm going to start there. And I promise you this, if you'll start there, then you'll start participating in offerings. Because the Bible says what? The heavens will open. He will bless your life. He will, I'll show you just in a moment where he will increase your resources. And you're even going to call God a liar? Are you going to take him to the test and show and prove that he says he will do what he says he will do? And so I want for you to say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Folks, we've been doing this for two decades, and you cannot outgive God. I triple dog dare you to try it. I'm seriously. You cannot outgive him. And so the first level I see is the, the tithe you bring to him, and then they brought offerings. God, there's a peace offering. God, there's just a providential offering. We just trust you, thank you. There's a thank you offering. And we see all these offerings through the Scripture. And then we get to a, a level that really, honestly, um, you really need to make sure you hear from the Lord on this one. But this is where, this is like extravagant giving. This is like supernatural, above your ability, like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, like supernatural, extravagant, extravagant giving. And we see this, if you remember in the text, it's Mark chapter 12, hold tight, we're going to John 12. And Mark chapter 12, it says, Jesus was at the temple, he went by and he sat by the offering bowl. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine the, the, the bonus of that? I mean, this is crazy. You can't make this stuff up. Go over to Mark chapter 12. And he, Jesus goes and he sits by the bucket. And he watches everybody as they walk by give. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about giving out a gift. Uh, uh, you know, no, I'm sorry for finding into the dog. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, like, and he just sit there and watch. And remember the Pharisees they walked by? And the Bible says that they gave large amounts, but they gave out their surplus. And then the little old widow... She walked by and she gave all she had. Folks, that's extravagant. That's extravagant giving right there. She gave everything she had. Two little copper coins. You remember that? Two little just mites. Just, just gave these two. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, she has given more than any of these wealthy people in their life. Why? Because Jesus don't look or measure the amount that you give. He measures the sacrifice that you give. It's not about an amount whatsoever. Are you giving sacrificially? Now, for that, she must have heard that I'm going to give everything, that I'm going to do something significant. In John chapter 12, we, we see this another moment of significance that take place. I want, I, want to, I want you to go there with me real quick, and I want you to see this. You may have heard this. This is when the, the woman, uh, uh, Mary, she comes and she anoints Jesus' feet. But let, let's walk through this. Uh, John 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man raised from the dead. Now, that, that's kind of that's like Michael Jackson thriller, right? Come on now, right? I mean, that's just crazy. Y'all remember that story about Lazarus died, and he said, roll the stone away. They said, don't do it because he stinketh. I love the King James Version on that one right there. He stinketh. And they rolled the, rolled the stone away. He says, Lazarus, come out. Why did he say Lazarus? Why didn't he just say come out? Because if he said come out, all the dead bodies would have walked out. 
He said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out, resurrected from the dead. That's roughly about two months before this. And now he's sitting there with, you know, this zombie apocalypse at right take a place. He's sitting there with Lazarus eating. So the writer wants us to know he's chilling with Lazarus, the one that he raised from the dead. Now, Mary, who we're sitting here, is Lazarus' sister. And so I want you to see what happens. In verse 2, a dinner was prepared for Jesus in honor. Martha served, but Lazarus was among those who ate with him. See, he's eating. He's alive. Though Arthur wants you to know he died, but he came back to life. Then Mary took 12 ounces of jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with this fragrance. Man, there's so much just background that we don't have time to jump into this. Why would she do this and why this same place? Jesus says this before his burial. Uh, but verse four, but Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, the perfume is worth one year's wages. Maybe your translation says 300 denarii. One denarii is one day wages. They worked about 300 days. 300 day, one year's wages she poured out just on Jesus' feet and anointing him. It should be absold and the money given to the poor. And I love this. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. This is, uh, this is, I wish I had time again. This is a very starch, very strong, very negative, very pointed right at him. Leave her alone. Possibly could be what broke the, the uh, straw on the camel's back for him to start to betray him and start going a different route here. And he says, leave her alone. Called him out in public. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Wow. There's just so much. We don't have really the time to unpack this, but here's what I want you to see. You know what the enemy of generosity is? Selfishness. And you know what we all are? Selfish. We have this flesh that's going to fight and wage war against the spirit until Jesus takes us home. We want what we want, when we want, how we want. And we came out of the womb being selfish. Mine Mine. I ain't sharing nobody. That's mine, right? My toy. My bottle. Don't touch it. Like we came out of the womb being said. We have to. Here's what selfishness says. Look how much they gave. If it was me, I would. That comes from a selfish heart. I can't believe that church built that building. Cost a few million dollars. They could have took that money. Don't get me started. I'm waiting for someone to say that to my face. No one says it to your face. They say it behind your back or on Facebook or on, or on topics, whatever that is. But um, the people who come to you and says, I can't believe what you're doing with the money. You should do this with the money. One, they're selfish. Two, they're greedy. And number three, they're not given a dime to help the poor. They come from a selfish heart. Because people who are generous don't look at gifts and go, wow, you should do something else with it. People who are generous will say, that's awesome. Keep going. See, they don't see that over the last 12 years that we've invested over a million dollars in missions and in our community and blessed organizations. They don't want to see that part of it. They see the outside and they think there's something must be going on. See, a selfish heart always looks bad and looks down on generosity or when someone grieves. Judas didn't want to help the poor. He was a thief. He was in charge of the money when the traveling ministry, and he would steal from it himself. Isn't it ironic that Malachi says, if you rob from God, you're a thief, and Judas was robbing from God. Who would rob God? Who would take what's his? 
And 93 and 95% of Christians do. Every time they take a test. Say, am I going to trust God? Either it's his word or it's not his word. Either he is a liar or it's true. That's what you will go have to wrestle with the Lord. And ask him to search your heart. Because giving always bothers someone who is greedy. And I'm not, and listen, sometimes this is even unconscious. When we talk about, hey, we're going to take up a tithe. Hey, we're going to do an offering. We're going to bless people. You're like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. That's a sign for you to stop and go, wait, what's, why am I so selfish? Why is my heart greedy? What is the antidote of a greedy heart? What's the antidote of a selfish heart? You know what the antidote is? Generosity. When you begin generous, it begins to break this heart. I mean, look how generous. 300 denarii, a whole year's salary. Do you think that's generous? Okay, let me give an example. Black Friday's coming up, and some of you are crazy. And you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning in your PJs, and you go and, like, run around looking for deals, right? You travel all the way across. You travel three hours away to save 50 bucks. It costs you that much in gas. Do the math. Do the math. Amazon Prime in your pajamas. Hello, Christmas is almost done. Anyway, imagine, listen to me, you're married and your wife goes and she comes back and you stayed home or you worked or whatever that day. And she comes home, she goes, I got some crazy deals. Look at these shoes. Look at this purse. Look at this stuff. You know, Johnny's going to love this hoverboard. I got it on sale and, and all, the, all this stuff. And then she goes, but I bought my own Christmas gifts because that's what you do, ladies, when you're right, married because your husband doesn't know. He doesn't know. He just doesn't know how to do it, right? And you say, I bought mine. You can wrap it up and it could be for you. Am I preaching to somebody? Come on now. I'm preaching. And he goes, oh, great. What is it? He goes, smell this perfume. You open the perfume. And he does like every man. Yeah, that's great. Oh, it, smells, it smells good. It's really good. Love it. Right? And he looks at you and says, how much did that cost? And you're like, oh. it's seven easy payments. It works, honey. You're like, oh, how much did it cost? Your whole year's salary. Everything you made last year. Is that extravagant? But don't, don't miss the story. A whole year's wages in a second as an offering and a gift preparing Jesus for his burial. She anoints him. Folks, that's extravagant, extravagant giving. I debated whether to share this. I've shared this before in the past, and I, I, I want to share this to show you how just very few times in my life have I really been prompted to like extravagance, like God's done something extravagant. In December 2006, we just moved out of our mobile home that we lived in for eight years on my father-in-law's farm. He bought this little tiny farmhouse that was connected to his farm. A thousand square feet, two bedrooms, one bath. My wife, we just had our second child. We moved right out of the mobile home into the house. This was a great day for us because after eight years, we got rid of the college furniture and finally got adult furniture. You know what I'm talking about, right? We got the TV. We got the TV. Hello, we got the TV, right? I mean, we finally graduated from it. He made the comment. He said, listen, I'm going to give you all this house, not as a gift, not as a deed, but you're more welcome. You can stay here. There's no house payment. You guys can live right here. I'm pastoring a little church. Wife doesn't work outside of the home. Two small kids. We thought we had it made. I went up on top of this two-story, little narrow home, little two-story. I'm in the top of this little room, and I began to pray in December 2006. In fact, I just challenged 300 of our team members to begin to pray this. And I'm going to challenge you as our church. I want you to begin to pray this as a church because we're really going to seek the Lord in 2020. We've been planning this. We're really going to seek after the Lord and say, God, what do you want? I'll talk more about that in January. But here's what I begin to pray. God, would you do something so big in my life that only you can get the glory for it and only you can get the credit for it? 
And then I begin to pray the Samuel prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Speak, your Lord, your servant's listening. December goes by, and now it's January, middle of January. I'm sitting in a seminary class, taking notes. Professor Ken Hempfield. And I heard the Lord speak to me. And I've never heard the Lord audibly speak to me. Audibly. But it was so clear. I have been preparing my heart for about the last 45 days. Lord, do something so big in my life. Only you can get the glory for it. Only you get the credit for it. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And the Lord said, Daniel. And I said, yes. He said, I gave you a house to live in. And I said, yes. Thank you. He says, you have your trailer for sale. And I said, yes. He said, I want you to give it away. And I immediately pulled my laptop up and I began to cry. My pastor was sitting beside me and he said, are you okay? What's wrong? I said, just, just wait a minute. The Lord's just sharing something with me. I got out of the class. I walked over and grabbed the phone. I called the phone. I called my wife. I said, honey, the, the Lord just spoke to me and we need to confirm this. She said, what did he say? I said, he wants us to give our mobile home away. Immediately the devil was there and said, wait, 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 wait. What in the world are you going to do about this? I'm going to be transparent. Here's what he said. He says, number one, you're asking more for your mobile home than your entire taxable income is for last year. You have a wife that doesn't work outside the home. You have two small children and your father-in-law just allowed you to move into this house. What is he going to think? I came home from class. I took the sign and I took it out of the yard because I really sensed the Lord said it. I went and I confirmed it in his word that this is what he wants me to do. He asked me to give it to the church that I was pastoring. I went before the church, and back then you had to have a board meeting, Robert's Rules of Order, and all this stuff. We called a board meeting. It's January the 30th, 2007. And we stood in the board meeting. I said, I'll just, at the end of the meeting, I said, before we close the meeting, I have something to share. The Lord has asked me to give this church the mobile home that my wife and I have been living in the last eight years. It's $22,000 what we're asking for. That was more than my taxable income for that whole entire year. And... I'm going to ask you to make a motion to receive it. All you got to do is pay to have it moved off my father-in-law's property. They asked my wife and I to go in the back. We went in the back and sat for two hours because that's what happens when congregation leaves churches. But that's another whole story. For two hours, the chairman and deacon walked back out and said, um, are you sure about this? I said, I, I just tell him what the Lord told me to do. And he said, I asked him what took him so long. He said, everybody's freaking out. I said, what do you mean they're freaking out? Because he said, well, one, we know what we pay you. This is more than what we pay you, and we really want you to keep it for your family. But it took them two hours to make a motion to accept it. And we gave it. The very next week, God said, it's time for you to go and plant a church in Moorhead. The means that we gave up to live off of, the things that we could have used to come this way, because it was just me and my wife. The Lord said, it's time for you to go to Moorhead. And so we began to get things in position and, and every business in February, I kept telling the, the, the church, you need to come get this trailer off my father's property because I know I'm going to be moving. March came, you need to get the f church, you need to come get this off my father's property because we're going to move. April comes, they still haven't moved. May comes, they still haven't moved. June, I finally said, listen, I am not stepping down as your pastor. You are sending me out as your pastor and you're going to send me to Moorhead and we're going to plant a church. And they looked at me and they says, well, what can we do? How can we pray for you? I said, just pray the Lord provides us a place to stay because we don't know nobody here. We don't know where we're going. He said, wait just one moment. And they walked back into the meeting. They called a special business meeting. They walked back out and they said, we have voted to give the trailer back to you. And the Lord said, I was just testing you to see if you were willing to give up everything to be obedient for me. 
And you wonder why I stand here and I could say how we give 10 and 15% and 20 some percent of our income away to go. Because you can't outgive him. And I could say it with more integrity. I could say it with passion. And I could say that with every fiber in my being, this is not what I want from you. I don't give a rip about your money. This is what I want for you and for your family and for your family tree. It's when you say, God, I trust you. I don't know how we're going to provide. I don't know what my pension is going to look like. I don't know what my IRA is going to do. I don't know if Social Security will even be around when I'm even able to get it. But if I can trust you to take me to a place that I've never seen called heaven, I can trust you to put my kid through college, to put food on the table for my family, to provide every single bit of my needs. And that's just one story. I can tell you stories after stories after stories. And listen to me, and I know you have your own stories too. You sent them to me this week, sharing that how you put God to the test and how he provided for you. Folks, you can't outgive them. And I want to encourage you that you will grow in your heart and your faith. There has never been one principle in the scripture that has grown my faith more than in this area of ministry, of giving, and being generous. Never, ever. It has grown me so much for the last two decades. And folks, this is what I want for you. But I want you to know, our gifts don't impress God. God don't look at the gift. He looks at your heart. Are you kidding me? I read my Bible and it says heaven's going to be made a street of gold. The foundations is rubies and diamonds and, and the gates of pearls. You think he cares about my gift? You think that impresses him? No matter how large or small, it is a heart issue. It's, a heart, it's not a budget issue. It's not a broke issue. It's not I pay too much in tax issue. It really is at the end of the day, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide for me. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a reward to this. Now, people who argue that tithing was under the law, they want to go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and say it's a grace gift now. We do what God puts on our heart. We're not a percent. It's now what God puts on our heart. and We should do what God puts on our heart. Listen to me, bro. If you were tithing under the law, you should be given double that over under grace. Because His grace has set you free and changed you forever. This is not talking about tithing in these passages. He's talking about an offering that the church was taken up to bless the other churches who are being persecuted for following Jesus. This has nothing to do with tithing. This is an offering. This is a voluntary gift above and beyond what you tithe that we see in the scripture. But I want to walk you through, and here's what you got to ask yourself. Either God's true, his word is true, or he's a liar. And the only way for you to find that out, it's not for you to sit and rationalize, is it true or not? The only way to die is to put God to the test and test him. Now, please let me, let me share this to you. You don't give to get. If you give to get something back, then your heart's not pure. You give to give. You give to give just because you love him. And I'm telling you what, when your heart gets right, blessings will follow. I'm going to show you. Look what happens right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, verse 6. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Correct. You scattered a few seeds in the field, you're going to get a few crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is a, he's talking the context is about offering. He says, if you sow generously and bless people generously, I'm going to bless you back. Here's a reward number one. You just on the screen, but just for you to write down is this. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. 
What a, what a reward. If I'm being generous, guess what happens? I will reap generosity. I will reap generously. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And the best, I've, I've searched my heart, and the best I know is being your pastor for the last 12 years in January, since January, this coming, this coming January. I have never and one time stood up here with the motive to pressure you, to convict you, to guilt you, to woo you, to fill an agenda to give. For those of you who've been here, you know since day one, what have we said? Go home. Listen to Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. Not out of pressure, not out of being reluctant. It's just whatever the Lord tells you to do, do it. And you be obedient. Why? Because that's between you and him. It's not between you and me. Whatsoever. It's between you. Which means this. It is a heart issue. Verse 8. And God will, watch this, generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. There's two other rewards right here. One, you'll have all you need. See, that's what you worry about. He didn't say you're going to have all you want. But he did say you'll have all you need. Everything that you, all your needs will be met. And if you'll keep your hands open, here's what happens. I will bless you so you can bless other people. And then you'll have a leftover. What's your leftovers for? To store up? No, no, no. God blesses you with abundance so that you will be a blessing to other people. If you'll keep your hands up, God will bless you and he will bless others through you. You're just a river, a conduit. As God pours his blessing on you, you pour it back out and bless other people. That's what he says. I will meet all your needs and I will make sure that I will use you to bless the people around you. Verse 9, as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seeds because of no self-made no one. God provided the seed. God makes the sun comes up. God makes it rain. He's the one who provides it all for the farmer and then the bread to eat. And the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Don't miss this. When you begin to bless people and you begin to become generous, God says, you know what? That's someone I can trust with my resources. And I'm going to be very honest with you. The majority of people don't, hand, don't have their financial house in order. And God's like, why would I send blessings that way? You can't even handle what you've got. Get your house in order. Start putting me first. I will bless you. And guess what? I will increase your resources, not for you, but you'll be a blessing to other people. Folks, I've seen this in my own life, how God's done over and over. He just keeps increasing. Why? Because you keep your hands open. And then he says this, I will create a heart of generosity within you. You know what the antidote of greed is? Generosity. You know how you break your greed? Become generous. You know how you break selfishness? Become generous. Here's you something. You know that thing you want for Christmas so bad and you just got to have it and you're just sweat. God, I got to have it. I can't wait to go on sale. Here's what. Go buy it and give it away to somebody else. And begin to break that heart of, of selfishness and not being content because you want more. See, the person who saves every penny never spends to the person who spends everything they have, both of them could become greedy. The person who saves just wants more just to see more in the bank. The person who spends is not content. They've got to keep up with everybody else and they want more. Both could be greedy. You've got to figure this out. And how God wants to do in your life. But he tells you. He's either a liar or he's true. I will increase your resources. And I will create in you a heart 
of generosity. And then, and then he says in verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Folks, really? That's where I want you to be. Our mission is to help you follow Jesus so you can experience a better life, abundant life, a full life. We want you to learn about Jesus. We want you to love like Jesus. And the greatest way to love like Jesus is to be generous and bless people. Could you imagine that you're always in a position to be generous and bless people when God prompts you? Hey, let me get that for you. Hey, let me buy that for you. Hey, let me take care of that for you. You had that medical bill? No problem. We got it for you. Wait, what? Why? Because we're in a position to be generous to you because God feels like he's leading us to do that. And what happens is, you know what they would do? We see right here in verse 12. Watch this. And when they take your gifts, those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving that I put in your heart and your life. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. This was an offering in the context of giving to Jerusalem because they were being uh, uh, persecuted for following Jesus. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give God glory for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are a follower of Jesus and of the good news. And they will pray with you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that's God given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, for a gift that's too wonderful for words. You know what they may say? Listen, I may not agree with that church. I may not, not like the pastor wears jeans and not wear a suit and they got guitars on the stage and they built that building. But let me tell you something about that. That's the most generous giving church I need. And let me tell you what happens someday in their life. They're going to come to a crisis and they're going to look who blessed me without nothing in return. And they will turn and say, you know what? They were generous to me. They blessed me. They helped me. Something's different about you. And because of your generosity, watch this, the gospel will be proclaimed. All because you decide, I'm just going to be generous. I'm just going to be generous. And bless the people around me. What are the results? The needs will be met. God will be glorified. And there'll be evidence that you follow Jesus. And then he'll pour all this overflowing grace upon you. And lastly, verse 11, Proverbs verse 11 says this. I mean, chapter 11 says this. The generous will prosper. Let God determine prosper. No man can do that. There's no, God wants to bless his children. I don't get to determine that. I can't speak that. I just be obedient. Do what he tells me to do. Those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. God has all the resources. Everything belongs to him. Folks, look at all the need. Honestly, we can't meet all the need. We can't. Jesus says, you will always have the poor among you. They will always be. We can't meet every single need. But how does God get all his resources to the people who need it? He's not dropping manna out of heaven anymore. He's blessing his people to be a blessing to meet the need. We are the connection from God's resources to the people who need it. And we want to here to meet their needs. And yes, this, this, we've, I was already planning on speaking on generosity. We decided to go bless, grab a bag, fill it up, but listen to me. If you have a need, we want to meet your need. If you're here and you're a part of our church family at Grayson, at Moorhead, or you're online, you say, listen, my family don't even have enough to eat this Thanksgiving. We want to help you. We're here to bless you and help you in any way we can. And next week when we come back and you bring back what 
some of the food that you'll bring, and that's fine. One family could pick up one bag, that's fine. No problem. Some of you could take a couple more. That's no problem. It's up to you. It's when you and the Lord. But next week, if you have a need, come back and we want to bless you. And we want to make sure that you and your family has what you need through the Thanksgiving. Why? Because you're a family. We're a family here. And the family takes care and blesses the family. But not only do we want to bless our family, we want to bless the people in this region and share the good news with them. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Two responses. The first one, if you're here, and say, God, this has always been a strong struggle area in my life. I pray you to speak to me and help me figure out how to just trust you and take you at your word. And sit down and look and say, okay, how are we going to do this? Maybe I sit down with the budget. Maybe I have to cut stop spending some things maybe you need to pay some stuff on off as you go into the holidays don't come in january regretting that you swiped so much and now you have no you have no way hardly paying it back and you're sitting going but i want to be generous i don't want to rob god it's your choice this is a choice we even have financial coaches if you're here and you say you know what i need somebody to give some fresh eyes and help me figure this out it's completely confidential if that's you, you can go to the next step area both places. But the greatest thing I want you to don't miss is the greatest gift that God has ever blessed us with is His Son. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He gave us His first fruit. He gave us His only Son. He gave His very best. Modeling generosity is being like God who gave us His Son. For God so loved the world He gave. And the greatest gift you can receive is his son, Jesus. So right where you said, if that's you today, will you crouch with me? And to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I give my life to you. Thank you for pouring your generous grace and mercy and love on me. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. If that's you at both of our locations, here's what I want you to do. Please go to the next step area. We have some resources we want to give you, Bible we want to give you, some things we want to help you in your taking your next step with Jesus. Father, thank you so much that you were so generous that you sent your son. God, I pray that you would continue to bless your church, the Big C Church, all the churches in our community, all the churches across the world, that you would create a heart of generosity within them. That, Lord, that we will be the church you've called us to be and we would help people and take care of people and we would serve people and we would change a region. And that when people see that, they won't see a church, they won't see a ministry, they will see you. How much you love them and you use your church to bless them. So God, grant every church on the planet your favor. Pour your blessings out upon them that they may be a blessing to their community. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.